Oh, well, let's pray because I believe that God has a word for us. He wants to speak to us about prayer. And so I, I just want us to open our hearts to him and invite him to come and to give us a he- ear to hear what his spirit wants to say to us. So, Father, we, we thank you that we have the privilege to come before your throne. Lord, boldly, without fear, because we stand in the righteousness of your son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, as we stand there in his righteousness, Lord, we are thankful that you speak and that you direct and that you guide and that you lead us. And so we ask that you would speak to our hearts and and transform us, change us today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. So today we're getting ready to uh, you know, prepare for the, the fall and we've been doing a lot of uh, the pastoral team and, the, and the, uh, the, the, the staff team have been doing a lot of work behind the scenes and so we're going to be launching the, the life groups and the, and the different things, the ministry, the men's ministry and the ladies ministries and uh, uh, different, different aspects of the ministry outreaches. We're beginning to pray about how can we reach our community for Christ. So we're very busy in all of those things and we're excited about the future. But as we were praying and preparing, I said, Lord, what is it that you wanna say to us as we prepare? And the Lord spoke to me about how important it is and that it's an absolute necessity and a key for success in what God wants to bear fruit and what God wants is for us to be a people of prayer. That prayer is of utmost, it's not just important, it's necessary. Uh, when, I, when I played uh, sports, you know, we had preparation and training and the coach would tell us, you know, that it's in the training that you, you win the game. I mean, it, the game is one thing when you get out there, but if you're not prepared, you're, you're in big trouble. Well, prayer is like that. It, it prepares our heart before God. It prepares us and fills us with his glory and power. It gives us his, his wisdom and direction. And when we do, when we align with heaven, then we get to see heaven come to earth and we see his will done and we see him glorified. So I believe this fall can, has such potential for every one of us, each one of us, our families, our friends, uh, us as a church, New Path, to touch this and reach this community, to touch the schools uh, with, with his glory, with his gospel. Uh, we, can, we can grow and have a, a greater spiritual growth in our lives, a greater fruitfulness. God wants us to bear his fruit. He wants us to look like him, greater, greater impact on our community we can touch lives for his name's sake. But again, the key is, is personal prayer. There's a scripture in Philippians. When, and uh, just remind you real quick, Philippians was birthed, that church was birthed in a prison. Paul and Silas were chained in the inner prison. They weren't just in the prison, but they were in the inner prison in solitary confinement in a sense. But it was the two of them and they were chained to a wall and they began to worship and pray and praise the Lord. And as they did, there was an earthquake and they were released. It's the most amazing thing. But and Paul, uh, Paul, all the doors fly open and Paul comes to the, to the head uh, uh, jailer and the guy's getting ready to kill himself because he knows that if any prisoners escape, the, the penalty would be death for him. And Paul said, don't do that. Let's just go, go to your house and eat. He said, well, that sounds like a better idea. So he put his sword down and they went. And you know what happened that night? They preached the gospel. He said, you're going to be saved. Your whole household saved. You see that there is a God. 
he leads them all to Christ. They actually, in the middle of the night, go down to the river. There's a baptism. They baptize them. And then he says, let's go going back to jail so you don't get in trouble. What a night. What an incredible night. A night of, of the release of the glory and the power and the gospel, the good news of God, of Jesus Christ. Now, that all took place, though, because it was birthed out of worship and praise and prayer. Worship and, and prayer. They were worshiping God, praising God and praying. And that's how it was birthed. But it's not just how things are birthed in the spirit, but it's how things are, are continued in the spirit. It, it's, it's supplied by, through, or undergirded through prayer. And prayer is something that is, it's because it's removed and because it's a spiritual exercise, uh, I think we tend, particularly in our Western culture, not to be people of prayer because it just, we slack off on prayer because we don't see a direct connection. We're more doers in our culture. And God wants us to learn that when we do, we do. When we work, we work. But when we pray, God works. And he can do a whole lot more real fast. He can plan a church in just a one night prayer meeting. They didn't have a, a strategy. They didn't go door to door. They didn't do a lot of things. They just had God visit them. And so, so but I think sometimes, again, we think prayer doesn't matter. Um, uh, Marla and I go, like to go out and try different restaurants. And, you know, each restaurant has its own unique culture and things. There's a, there's a restaurant. Uh, well, I could tell you if you, uh, let's see if you can name the restaurant. You go to this restaurant and they say, uh, my pleasure for serving me. Chick-fil-A, yeah. Now this one's a little bit more obvious. Welcome to Moe's. Uh, that's Moe's. Uh, there used to be a, a, a Mongolian grill. It's, now they have these crazy fires. I don't know if they're related, but there used to be a Mongolian grill down on, on Wake Forest Road. Uh, you remember that? Yeah, that was a, a great place and it had its own culture. Um, it burned down eventually and they put a car wash there. But I don't know if there's any significance to that, but we, I used to go in there and, and uh, at lunch and it was, the, it was funny because their culture, they, you go through the, and you get a, a bowl of meat, you get a bowl of vegetables and then you give it to the, the fella at the window and there's a cook back there on those kind of that round grill with the sticks. So he's back there cooking, but they ask you, how hot do you want it? And they ask for a number. They say, what number? So the guy in the front goes, what number? And then you say, what at four? He goes, four, he want a four. And then the guy in the back goes, okay, I can give a four. Well, he reaches over and he gets the, uh, there's two cans of seasoning and he just shakes them. And I thought, well, I guess that's a four. Um, and so one time I went in there, I said, uh, I'd like a six. He goes, six, you want a six, okay. And the guy says, he want a six. And so he dumps, it, he looked like he did the same thing. <laughs> and so I went in there one time and I said, uh, give me a 10. He said, you want a 10? I said, yeah, I want a 10. Okay. So he said, you want a 10? You sure you want a 10? Yeah. And he just did the same thing. <laughs> and, and so I remember sitting there thinking, I, sometimes I feel like that in prayer. I come to God and I go, God, I want a number four. You want a number four? You know, and he, nothing much happens different. Have you ever felt like your prayers aren't making a difference? Raise your hand. Yeah, I mean, be honest. 
The rest of you were going to pray for you for lying because there's a times when we pray and we don't feel like it's making a difference. I mean, we can believe intellectually, but we don't feel, I'm talking about in the emotional realm, we don't feel like anything's happening. And sometimes we can pray for a long time and we just don't know or wonder or we doubt if I'm making a difference. Is my prayer is making a difference? But I want to encourage you today on why we need to pray and how we need to pray. And, uh, and my goal is for us to become more of a praying people so that we can see the, gl the glory of God. We want to see his kingdom come and his will done on earth as it is in heaven. So here's why we need to pray. Our prayers do make a difference. First, number one is because we are in a battle. This isn't, this isn't in your notes, but if you're taking notes, uh, write it down. If, if you're not taking notes, write it down too. So anyway, so yes, uh, because we are in a battle. The scripture says in Ephesians 6, 12, it says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this age. There's a, there's a, there's a war going on. We're in a spiritual warfare. Daniel uh, chapter 10 is a reference to when Daniel prayed for 21 days. He was in captivity. He was in Babylon, the capital of, of, uh, of, of the Babylonians. And he was seeking God. He fasted and prayed for 21 days. And the angel Gabriel shows up. And he says, hey, I was on my way. The day that you began to pray, we heard your prayers. Your prayers were heard and I was dispatched, but, it, but the prince of Persia, there was a sprint, this is a, the spiritual realm. There, it says that there's this spiritual realm, there's principalities, those are spirits over territories. Uh, there, there are these, uh, uh, there's powers and uh, there's rulers of darkness that are in the atmosphere. And, he, and, and, uh, this, and Gabriel, when he gets there, he says that when the, from, from the very time you started praying, I was dispatched. However, this principality, the prince of Persia resisted me and it took me 21 days, but uh, God the Father dispatched uh, Micah, the war angel. He came and joined me and we got through and here we are and I'll give you your answer. So there was a breakthrough, but it took prayer by Daniel seeking God to release the power of God. Now, there's a mystery to that because God has the victory, but he wants us to reinforce it, to be a part of it. It's, it's like having a, a, a Arnold Schwarzenegger as your friend and you go downtown and say, I can take on anybody here. Well, you know, but Arnold's here with me. You know, well, for us, our prince is Jesus. And he's King Jesus. I love the songs that we sang this morning because it was all about King Jesus. We sang about him being the king. He's the king of kings. We serve a king. And so what we want to do is pray. It's not, again, we don't want to get over-focused. It's not a battle like a tug of war. The victory's already been won on the cross. It's not, that it's, it's not us striving with the devil or hand-to-hand -hand combat. No, it's not us uh, standing in that sense. What we want is to release more of God. The focus is saying, Lord, we want your kingdom to come. It's not... It, yes, deliver us from evil. Uh, you know, don't let me fall into anything, a trap of the enemy. But that's what that scripture says. Deliver us from evil means don't let us fall into a trap of the enemy. But Lord, let your kingdom come. I want your kingdom to be released. I, I, I don't need to fight the devil. I just need more of God. When more of God is, 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 when he fills me, the enemy flees. And so the focus isn't on this um, uh, 
tug of war. It's, it's, it's a matter of simply saying, Lord, I'm yours. You're my king. Reign through me and we release the power of God. Well, the other reason why we, we're called to pray is because it releases our burdens to the Lord. We can be, as the scripture says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. The opposite of, of everything by prayer is to be anxious and to worry and to fear and to feel like we have to do it on our own. And there's so much we have no control over, but God is sovereign. And he is a father and he is a king and he is there for you. And so we want to release our burdens when we pray and cast our cares upon him, knowing that he cares for us and that he has an answer and that he is at work and he never fails. So ask him to take your burdens, give them to him and drop them off and say, Lord, I put this into your hands. But also sometimes when we're living at peace and everything's going well and, you know, we have money and we have a happy family and everybody's doing well, we, we slack up on praying. But that's when we need to say, Lord, give me your burden. Give me your burden. What's your burden? Because I, I guarantee you the Lord, his heart is burdened for people who are far from him. And the Lord wants to give us his burden. And I ask one of the prayers that he wants us to pray is, Lord, you know, I, everything is at peace in my home. Everything's good. And, but Lord, what is it that you care about? What is it that is on your heart? And how can I pray for that to come? I pray for his kingdom to come in the, in the schools, in, in, in my family, in my home. And so those are just two good reasons to pray. Is, is one is because there's a spiritual warfare and we're a part of it. We play a role in that. We, re, we enforce what God has promised. And then we release our burdens to him and we ask for his burdens. I love what John Wesley said. He said, God does nothing but by prayer and everything with it. God does nothing but by prayer and everything with it. And so he wants us to become praying people. So the first thing I want you to remember today is everything by prayer. Everything by prayer. The disciples saw that this was a key to Jesus' ministry. They watched him and they saw him go off early in the morning and stay out late at night and sometimes pray all evening. They watched him bow his head. Well, he didn't bow his head. He actually looked up to heaven and, and he prayed at Lazarus's tomb. He, they watched him and, and they saw his prayer life and they knew that that was a key to his wisdom and his leading and, and his power. And so they came to him one day and they said, Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? We know that that's a real key. So teach us. And he began to, to teach them, and it's, we call it the Lord's Prayer. Everybody knows this prayer, and we'll, just, we'll pray this in just a minute. And in Luke, where it's, this is out of Matthew, but in Luke, where it's also recorded, it says, when you pray, say, and unfortunately, that's not a great translation because uh, it says, when you pray, say, but it really means when you pray, I want you to talk to the Father like this. It wasn't say or recite in the sense of recite, but it's, hey, just have a conversation with the Father, and here's a good outline for it. Uh, in, in Matthew, he says, pray in this manner or pray like this. He wasn't saying to pray it by, by rote, but let's, let's, uh, let's stand for just one minute and let's, let's pray this together. Um, let's pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, 
heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory ever. Amen. 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 You can be seated. So we're to pray in that manner. I want you to see that there's basically two sections of that prayer. The two sections are that we're to pray. Um, there, there's praise. It starts with praise. It ends with praise. And in the middle is petition. Petition means uh, simply to make your request known. Uh, when we uh, petition is a request of God. Uh, and so you start with praise. Uh, it, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy name is set apart. Your name is glorious. Your, your name is healer. Your name is deliverer. Your name is, is the almighty one. And, and so we begin to worship him. So we start with praise and we, we end with praise. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And we end with that praise, giving him glory. In the middle is petition. So there's those two parts. We make our request known. And so the first point that, again, that I just want to make about prayer is this, is that our Father wants us to ask. He wants us to ask. And, and it's sometimes we, we think maybe he's too busy or there's more important things or, or maybe he doesn't care or we can have all sorts of concepts of, of who God is. But do you know he wants a relationship with us and he wants us to come to him and ask. Ask. Listen to what he says. I'm just going to read a couple of verses to you quickly and we'll continue on. But John 14, and this is when Jesus is having the last meal with his disciples. It's in between, uh, uh, he's getting ready to go to the garden, Gethsemane, and then to the cross. And he says this in John 14, and whatever you ask in my name, that will I do that the father may be glorified in the son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. That's a pretty amazing promise. John 15, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my father is glorified and you will bear much fruit and you will be my disciples. John 16, he says, and in that day, you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the father, remember he taught him how to pray to the father. Now he's saying, you're going to ask the father in my name and he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. And then Matthew 6, therefore, don't be like them that repeat vain repetition. This is for your father already knows the things that you need for. Therefore, ask him. He said, your father already knows what you need. He's not saying your father already knows what you need. Don't ask him. He's saying your father knows what you need, so ask him. And the idea, I, when I was little, if something broke I, and I didn't know how to fix it, I'd go to my father. And I'd take it to him. I said, Dad, can you fix this? And he'd fix it. Now, he knew what I needed, but he was there to help. I, mean, I could have struggled and struggled and struggled and said, well, I, can't, I don't want to interrupt him. I don't want to bother him. But I could go to him, and he wanted me to go to him. He loved fixing things and showing me how to fix things. And so... Your father knows what you need, but that's an invitation. He understands is what he's saying. He's got a welcoming heart. He wants, he anticipates 
that we would come to. And when we don't, it grieves him. Matthew chapter uh, 7, 8 says this. Jesus was teaching, and again, he says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For anyone who asks, receives. Anyone who seeks, finds. And anyone who knocks, it will be opened to you. And then he goes on, he says, What man is among you uh, who, if his son asks for bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, would he give him a serpent? If then, you being evil, how? And you know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more would your Father in heaven would give you things that you ask for? He's not a heavenly Santa Claus. So we're going to get to the focus in just a minute. But he wants us to ask. He wants us to ask. He wants us to ask about our families and our marriages and our children and our grandchildren and our, our businesses and our finances and our health. Those are things to go to him and ask for. Now, here's the, here's the lens in which we need to ask because that's such a blanket statement, doesn't it? It sounds like we can have a free-for-all, God's a Santa Claus. But, but the focus is this, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. So we're, we're asking for his rule to come in whatever we're asking for. See, I want his rule to come in my life. His rule to come over my words. His rule to come over my family. I want his will to be done in my children's lives. I want his will to be done in my business and my finances. And so that's the caveat is, it, is that it's, it's lined up with him and who he is and his kingdom. But we're encouraged to ask. Don't shrink back from asking. God cares even about the little things. The second thing is that the prayer is, like I'm mentioning, is about Jesus's kingdom. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. The, the, the idea of the kingdom coming is an is, uh, is, is a interesting idea. The, the, the Greek tense here means the kingdom is here and is coming. Or the kingdom is here now, but it's progressive, it's increasing. In, in Matthew chapter 13, that's a famous chapter for a description of the kingdom. And Jesus is teaching on the kingdom and he says things like the kingdom of heaven is like leaven. And he says the kingdom of heaven is like uh, wheat and tares growing up. It's like the wheat. The yeah, kingdom of heaven is like the mustard seed. Well, the, what, you know what they all have in common is that they're increasing, they're growing, they're living, and they're increasing. And that's what the kingdom of heaven is. So when Jesus came, he brought the kingdom. And I'll explain that in a minute through some verses. But what we're to pray for is that kingdom to increase. Jesus is the king. And we want the kingdom of God to increase on earth as it is in heaven. Matthew chapter 4, it says, From that time on, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What he was saying is the kingdom of heaven is at reach. You know why the kingdom of heaven was at reach? When Jesus was preaching, when he started his ministry, he said, hey guys, the kingdom of heaven is at reach because the king's here. The king's here. You got the king with you. The king is here on earth. So the kingdom of heaven is, is in reach. You can touch the kingdom. If you reach out and touch me, you've touched the kingdom of God. Because the king is here. And the word kingdom is, is from a Latin, which is king. And then dom is, is, is dominion, the king's dominion. Wherever the king has dominion, wherever the king rules, um, 
is where he has dominion and that's his domain. And so we're, we're praying about the kingdom. The Lord's prayer is about his kingdom, but we get to ask. And so it goes on. Here's another scripture. Uh, this is Mark chapter one, verse 15. He says, the time is fulfilled that the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. I've got good news for you. The king's here, the king's with you. And then Matthew 12, he was casting out demons and the Pharisees were saying, he's doing this by the power of the devil and which was the devil speaking through them. But he said in 1228, but if I cast out demons, but if I cast out demons by the spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. What you're seeing is my rule right now. The kingdom of God has come upon you the kingdom of God is here, my rule is here, and I'm setting these captives free. They've been controlled by the demonic forces and I'm commanding them to go. He's saying the kingdom of God is upon you. So if the kingdom of God is here, why do we need to pray for the kingdom to come? Here's another scripture, it says this. This is out of, of Luke, uh, I forgot to write down the reference. But Luke, it's, it's um, I think it's, uh, I can't, anyway, I can't remember, I forgot the reference, but it, you can look it up. It says, now when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, you see, the, they were looking for a political kingdom. They were looking for a rule to come. They wanted the Messiah to come and chase out the Romans and let them rule again and have sovereignty over their own lives. But, so they said, when's the kingdom of God coming? And this is what Jesus said to them. The kingdom of God does not come with observation. You, you won't be able to see it with your natural eye, is what he's saying. Nor will you say, here it is, see it over there, or there it is. For indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. And what he's saying is, is that if the king, Jesus, is your king indeed, then you're under his dominion. So the question is, when you received Christ as your savior, you bowed your knee and said, Lord, forgive me for my sins. Forgive me for going my own way. Forgive me for, for, for doing my own thing. And I surrender to you. Fill me, forgive me and become my king and Lord. Now the question is, is he my king today? Is he the king over my mouth? Does he rule over my words? Does he rule over my life and my action, my behavior? Does, does his power live in me? Does his power minister through me? Does his power touch others through me? Am I praying for his kingdom to be extended? The kingdom is here because the king is here, but we can extend the kingdom through prayer. Does that make sense? You see that picture? Okay, I want, that pic I want you to, to understand because this is really important to understand how we can advance the kingdom and how we can pray for the kingdom to come. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. So it's an unfolding kingdom and we're not to be passive about it. Do you think that God is ruling at the high school right now? Do you think God is ruling at NC State? Is God the Lord and the ruler of, of our state? Is God the ruler of America right now? Are we under his dominion? How about our community? All the things that are taking place. But then we can bring it down. Does God rule in my home, in my marriage? Does God rule my mouth? Does God rule what I do and say and where I go? Does God rule? Well, if I begin to pray for his kingdom to come and his will to be done, 
it begins to direct me. And then I just want to close the last thought on prayer is that prayer is for his glory. It's about his kingdom, but it's for his glory. He wants us to ask, but it's about his kingdom and it's for his glory. At the very end of the Lord's prayer, he says, thine is the power and the glory forever and ever. Thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory. So he ends up back at this idea of the kingdom. Thine is the kingdom. It, it, it's, it's his kingdom. It's his rule that we want. I'll tell you, he is a good king. He is a good king. No one lacks in his kingdom. No one lacks. No one suffers. You know, think about the kingdom of heaven. When, when There's no more tears. There'll be no more death one day when the kingdom is fully manifest on this earth. But his kingdom is, is a good kingdom. Scripture says in Romans 11, it says, for of him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. It's an interesting verse. I, I didn't put it up on the screen, but let me quote it to you again. It's in Romans 11, 36. It says, for of him, speaking of Christ, of Christ and through Christ and to Christ are all things to whom be the glory forever. Of him is the kingdom. The kingdom is of him. It's, it's, it's a kingdom that's under his rule, under his lordship, under his dominion. It's through him. That's the power. How does the kingdom come? It's through his power. It's the power of the Holy Spirit operating through us. That's how his kingdom comes. Have you ever had the Holy Spirit say you shouldn't have said that? You know what the Holy Spirit did to me this week? The Holy Spirit this week, I was praying. And the Holy Spirit told me to call somebody up that I had offended 18 years ago. And, and, and I, I, I knew it was him. I wanted to say, uh, I rebuke you, devil, but it wasn't the devil. I said, oh, Lord, I don't want to do it. I don't really want to do that. But I want your kingdom to come. And so to get your kingdom to come, I have to line up with your kingdom. And so I called the brother up and I said, hey, I did something really dumb, said something dumb, and please forgive me. And, and uh, there's no excuse for it. And he said, oh, brother, thank you. What, man, this amazing. I can't believe you called me and let's get coffee this week. And uh, it was, it's, 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 that's the kingdom coming. I want to make this real because it's not knights in white armor are going to come down from the sky. The kingdom just came into that man's life. It came into my life first. And I lined up with the king. I released something in his life. I, I know that there's always uh, obedience. One, one time years ago, um, I, I just about releasing the kingdom. I was, I was a student at NC. State, and they were building the student union at the time. And my roommate was a sophomore. I was a freshman. And we, we walked through the project and there was a clock on the wall. And my roommate took the clock and, and, and then uh, gave it to me, and so we left, and we stole the clock out of this, out of this place, out of the student union, and we hung it on our, uh, our dorm wall, and we had this really nice clock. But I was a Christian. I'd just come to Christ, and every time I prayed, the Lord wouldn't say anything to me except clock. I said, Lord, what do you want to say to me? Clock. I, Lord, uh, just hallelujah. Lord, I pay out-of-state tuition. 
do you know how much that is? And he didn't care, you know, and he finally explained that stealing is taking stuff that's not yours. And um, that took a, that took a, you know, and I said, okay. And, and so I knew I had to return it, but you know what I did? So I'm a young Christian. I'm 18 years old. I, I go home for Christmas. I take it home with me and I donated it to the church. They were having a white elephant sale or something. I'm a kid, I'm 18 years old, and they sold it to raise money for the church, and I thought God would get off my case if I did that. Because, but then he says to me, you know, he starts teaching me the Bible. He says, you know, uh, to obey is better than sacrifice. I said, uh, you don't want the clock? I gave it to you, you know, to, and he, he didn't. And so I wrote a letter to the, I found out who the electrical contractor was. I wrote a letter to him. I said, I've come to Christ and I love the Lord and please forgive me. Please forgive me because I stole the clock and I think this $100 will probably take care of it, send it to him. And, um, and I hope, you know, that, you know, and I ask for your forgiveness, amen, send it off. A month later, that contractor was indicted and went to jail for fixing prices. And I thought, you know, Lord, I didn't feel justified. I didn't feel like, you know, he's just as bad as me. That's not what I'm saying. What what the Lord showed me was that by doing what I did, maybe that planted a seed that he knew a way, a path out of his sin. He did the time, I'm sure, for whatever he did. But when he got out, I'm sure maybe he became a Christ follower. And how, how would I have known that? But the Lord knew it. And so I did what the Lord said. It took me a little while, but I did it. My point is, is that his is the kingdom. It's of him. And it's his power, his power going. He gives you power to do the right thing. And it's for his glory. Why did I return the the, the money for the clock? Because he's a wonderful God and he he loves me and he loves the contractor. And he, he loves, you know, he didn't want me to take from them. He wanted me to demonstrate his love. So what is the Holy Spirit saying to you, I want you to, to close by just saying that you have a choice. You have a choice today. Prayer is a choice. But I, I hope and pray that you'll see that there's a role for you to play, an important role. That you'll come to a place of, of, of prayer. And you'll come before your Father in heaven and, and you'll look up and you guys can come on out. We'll, we'll yeah because we're going to have communion here in just a second. Pastor Perry, come on up. And, uh, but I want you to come to a place where you're like, this is amazing. It's amazing to, to come before you, Father. And, and I thank you that I can ask for, for food and for things for my marriage, and I can ask for uh, blessings on my children, and I can ask for blessings on the job. But Lord, what I want more than anything is to see your kingdom come and your will be done. I want your rule, your dominion to come. We have, a, we have a king who died for us. And I think that through prayer is how we live for him. Amen.